Hello and welcome back to Useless Debates in Pop Culture, Episode 2. A uh, quick uh, recap of last week. I'm joined by Paul. Hello. Um, so last week we had uh, Enemy of the State, The Outsiders, and A Time to Kill. And those were all uh, our entries into the movies with the most uh, underground star power. And uh, the winner uh, was, drumroll please. Air, air drums. Air drums. Air drum Can't roll. Hear not, Can't not, hear n- it's Can't a hear visual. Him. It's not a visual medium. Uh, is the Outsiders? So congratulations, Paul. To quote Homer Simpson. Woohoo! Yeah, the crowd goes wild. Uh, uh, personally, Baloney has a first name. It's H O M E R. My Baloney has a second name. It's H O M E R. All right, going Simpsons heavy early on. Um, so personally, I think you owe your victory entirely to Tom Cruise. I think he carried your team. Uh, yeah, think, right now, right now, I'm jumping up on a couch with Oprah, screaming my love for him. I think, I think, any time anyone heard Tom Cruise, I mean, his star power is just kind of just overwhelms uh, anything else that uh, it really it just became unfair. Yeah, well, we'll have to see today who uh, who can bring bring it. Like I brought it last time, as they said in that uh, tremendous, tremendous cult classic. Oh, you better bring it. Oh, it's been broad. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Useless debates in pop culture, where we start quoting "Bring It On," uh, a uh, a classic. No, no, no. Mm. Uh, so, first of all, oh, uh, secondly, sorry, not first of all. I'd like to uh, send out a thank you to everyone that has uh, subscribed to our podcast, everyone that has listened to it on SoundCloud. We are, we are on iTunes now. Anyone that's visited our website or has uh, has uh, followed us on Twitter um, or uh, or Facebook. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for the well wishes and everything like that. We hope to continue to entertain you guys um, for months and years to come. Yeah. All right. Enough of the thanks. Let's get this party started. Try not to suck. Yes. Hello and welcome to episode two of Useless Debates in Pop Culture. As always, I'm Phil, here with Paul. Hello. hello. In our uh, UDPC podcast studio, a.k.a. Paul's apartment. As well as Dennis, who joins us from across the country. Hello, all the way from across the country. (laughs) So the name of the game is Pop Culture. Here's where we will have weekly debates about all those useless topics you discuss while with your friends. Typically end up alienating or annoying those around you. Now, while most of these debates usually lack a true winner, here we give you, the listener, the power in declaring a winner each week through a poll on our various social media sites. Uh, so uh, please you know, check in on uh, Twitter uh, at, at UDPC Podcast. Uh, we have a Facebook page if you look up Useless Debate. Uh, and uh, we also have a website, UD, I'm sorry, uselessdebate.com. We are official. We are uh, officially on the interwebs. Heck we yeah. Interwebs. Thank you, George, for doing it, getting us online. He, yes. no, he, got, us, he got us on the line. Yes. He got us on the line, on the interweb. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, uh, without further ado, uh, this week's topic is the best movie soundtrack. Now, let's preface that when we said soundtrack, we're keeping scores out of it. Because there's no John Williams, or <laughs> I can't even name another. Alan, one now, Sil- so. Alan Silvestri. Yeah, or Danny. Uh, is it Danny? Did Danny Elfman? 
Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yes. Yeah. So we, we these were these were movie soundtracks, uh, either movie you know songs inspired by the movie, written yeah. for the movies, uh, or just uh, iconic soundtracks Col- where the, the collection the, collection yeah, of movie collection songs. of songs that were picked out for a movie and et cetera that kind of stuff. So, um, uh, so you know, we'll we'll each go and go through and and, and uh, discuss our picks, and then at the end, uh, you guys get to uh, decide. So uh, Paul was actually our winner from our inaugural uh, week, so he gets to pick the order in which we present them. Since this is probably the only time I'm going to win, um, I decided we're going to save the best for last, so I'm going to go third. Dennis is going to go first, and Phil will go second. So That's right. We're hey, going you're, west. You're, Dennis, Dennis leading off we are going, two, two weeks in a row. We are going I know. West, I, west I think east. I'm going to find that this might be a handicap, but I will find out. We'll see. Well, that's what you get for leaving town. I'm calling shenanigans if, if uh, this happens every week. So, do I get to start? Am I going now? Right. Yeah, you may proceed. Yeah, yeah. When silence proceed. happens, it's your move. Okay. <laughs> so, for those of you who know me well enough, you guys know that uh, music is, is a huge part of what I love to listen to and, and read about and research and all of that. So, this was actually a really hard one for me. Uh, I had to kind of That's filter out a whole that. bunch of different movies. Uh, <laughs> it, was it, was, it was a delay. It, it was going to be hard. So, uh, yeah, that was nice, guys. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, uh, so after much uh, internal debate, I decided upon one of my favorite movies of all time, American Graffiti. And for those of you who may not know what American Graffiti is or have not seen that movie, uh, it was George Lucas's second movie uh, after a so-so sci-fi movie called THX 138 or something like that. I think it's uh, 138? Yep. And so, so this movie came out in 1973. Uh, and if, you, if you've seen Dazed and Confused then this is a movie that's that's in the similar vein where it's a bunch a bunch of high school kids who have graduated and they're all going on to do different things and uh it it basically follows them for one night uh back in the early 60s and uh basically cruising around in hot rods and getting into trouble and whatever the only difference between this and days and confused is this is the last night before the summer ends and in days confused it's the first night of summer so but and this movie, in my opinion, the, the soundtrack makes this movie so much better. It is what immerses you into the movie. It makes you feel like you're back in 1962, uh, where the, movie, the songs that are playing are all-time classic songs that even just casual fans of music and of this genre are going to know these songs. Uh, there's heavy with Beach Boys and Chuck Berry and Buddy Holly and all these classic songs and the songs just fit seamlessly into the movie into each one of the scenes and really gives you that feel like you could be listening to the radio back in 1962 Uh, I think a bonus of the soundtrack is the inclusion of Wolfman Jack who is was a DJ back in the time uh, but he was this mysterious DJ, uh, and he was used in the movie uh, just as he would have been in real life. And he, nobody really knew where he broadcast from, and he was 
like a mystery and uh the fcc couldn't find him so he was able to kind of do whatever he wanted he ended up he was broadcasting from like northern mexico right by the california border um but he has inclusion in the soundtrack so as you transition to different songs you hear him kind of drop in a little note about the song or different uh quotes or whatever and i thought that's pretty cool because it makes it really feel like you're back in the movie again uh Another couple of high points of this particular soundtrack. Uh, the original Barbara Ann is on this soundtrack by the Regents. So those of you who didn't realize, the Beach Boys, uh, you know, ripped that song from the Regents. And actually, like they ripped a lot of songs from people. Can you perhaps perform a little of that for us so we know what I, you're talking about? I cannot. Uh, you know, my voice is a little strained today. <laughs> Today, uh, I, I gave a concert I last. I really, week. I really thought we were going to get a lot of like significantly half-assed performances today. I'm, I'm really, I'm disappointed right now so far. What? No, I listen. I'm the lead leg here. The closers, the closers need to be the big performers. So, so also, also, Buddy Holly's on here. Like I said, Chuck Berry, Beach Boys, Fats Domino, Bill Haley, all of them are on this. So all these are names that everybody kind of knows, and. Uh, highly recommend everybody checking this out. Uh, this was also, incidentally, one of the first films not to use a quote-unquote score. And it was somewhat by design and somewhat accidental because George Lucas spent like most of the film's budget trying to get the rights to all these songs, which left him almost no money for sound effects or producing a score. So he just said, you know what? We're just going with just the music, and that's going to set the scene for everything. So... Uh, which is kind of interesting. So that kind of he kind of laid the groundwork for movies that came after that, which includes both of your movies, by the way. So just letting you know. Nice um, nice yeah, and you know, lastly, uh, and this is I think this is pretty important is that this particular soundtrack is something that spawned what we call now oldies radio. So, uh, and this is which is really interesting because before then there wasn't really oldies radio. Now, granted this movie came out in the early seventies. So, you know, we were only about, you know, a few years past what play would it plays on oldies radio now. But, uh, after this, there was this huge push and nostalgia that of that type of music. And so the, all these radio stations decided to switch their programming to all oldies. And so now we've had them and they've been here ever since. So American graffiti is, quite possibly the most important soundtrack of all time because it spurned a whole generation of music as well as a whole new way to soundtrack movies. Good luck, you two. I just kicked your ass from the lead leg. <laughs> all right, you want to go first because I got a couple of points here. No, I just That's a bold statement. That is bold. No, it's bold. He's, he's, that's a bold move, Cotton. <laughs> For our listeners, he sits back, hands behind the head, lean yep. back, feet <laughs> yeah, propped up. Yeah, in a very, very confident position, even though it's not a visual medium. Yep. Um, so, first of all, uh, okay, yes, great you know, songs, uh, good movie. Um, uh, side note, we do not have Oldies Radio in Miami, in South Florida. Yeah, uh, so you just lost like we, we don't. I know, we lost our yes, Oldies Radio you can find it. You can find it in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, really? Okay, all right, we'll have to figure that out. But uh, but anyways, the, the I guess the one thing I would say is, from for it being the best, in your opinion, the best soundtrack ever. Yep. Until you mentioned a song on there, I couldn't have told you a song on that 
on that record. So what yep. you're saying is he's this week's Phil. Oh, there you go. Well, what I'm trying to say here, boys, is that just because you may not know some of the songs that are on this does not make it any less important to the genre. Well, I, it's kind of like a, you know that. That's your lack of knowledge. You've seen him in other <laughs> not shows. You may not know his explain. name, but he was in this show. It's true. You may have heard that song. You may not know what song it is, but you've heard of it. Yeah. No, I'm sure you've heard the song, but what I'm saying is when you hear that song, does it make you think that like when you hear Bob Aran, you don't think of American well, Graffiti. Yeah. You, you right, may. but it you may. Right, but but in 1972 when this movie came out or maybe a year after that, people probably did when they heard these songs think of that movie. Now these but songs today, have been in, these songs been in 50 more movies since then. Yeah. So Okay. But at the time, this was the one. This was the the soundtrack, and it's still considered one of the definitive soundtracks of all time. And I would be happy to go through the track listing with you if you would want. But I don't. We, I don't think we have the time. We don't have it's, time for that. We don't, okay. we don't have yeah. the time. And it's we want the forty-one idea. songs long. So okay, all right, all right. So we'll we'll okay. So that there's Dennis's uh, yeah. submission. Yeah, American uh, I, CD. Vote for me. It's a good submission. I, I think he could have came with something stronger personally, but eh, I guess I guess I gotta go try to go back to back. So at least I know Dennis is not a threat. So Phil, what do you got? All right, so um, my uh, best soundtrack ever. Uh, so my criteria, first of all, uh, obviously the songs had to be good. Uh, <laughs> would I listen to these songs if they weren't in the movie? Uh, for example, "Win in the End" by Teen Wolf. Probably wouldn't listen to that on the regular. However, "Send Me an Angel," <laughs> Teen Wolf Two. I'm totally Ooh. listening to that all the time. <laughs> all right. A T-Pool 2 reference. Right? Yeah, there you go. Um, how connected is the music to the movie, and how replaceable is the soundtrack? If I, if I change the music on the soundtrack, does it, does it change anything? Does it give you the, change the value of it? And sure. was there a song written specifically for the movie? Uh, for example, Goo Goo Dolls with Iris, right, for City of Angels. Uh, right. where apparently they saw the movie, and then like half an hour, 45 minutes later, they come out with this song, you know, Iris. So, did Sarah McLaughlin write her movie, for, write her song for that too? Did she? I don't know. I don't know. I'm wondering. I was curious. I wonder. I if don't she know. Well, uh, we'll have like, our research, the crack research. Well, you're the you're the Lilith Fair expert. I am the Lilith Fair expert. <laughs> that is true. I this should be right in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Actually, for those who can't tell, he's wearing his Lilith Fair t-shirt right now. <laughs> where do you? Um, where, all right. So where, my, where my do you find a Lilith Fair koozie? <laughs> my soundtrack <laughs> is Dirty Dancing. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, introducing the movie. Uh, so you got, you know, Patrick Swayze. You got uh, pre-nose job Jennifer Grey. Um, hey, hey, you can't use the actors and actresses in this to be as part I'm of your I'm just, I'm, I'm prefacing Because I could have gone man. Harrison Ford, Richard I'm, Dreyfuss, Ron I'm Howard. I'm introducing the say. movie. You went off on TH1138. So yeah, fair enough. I'm just, prefacing, I'm just prefacing the movie. All right. All right. right. Hey, Released point. 1987. I see, you know, Dennis is getting a little defensive. It's because he knows he's about to lose. First, first, it was Ooh. the first movie to sell, by the way, more than a million copies on home video. Um, so the album actually ended up selling 32 million copies worldwide. Uh, by comparison, the Bodyguard soundtrack, which is, well, we'll talk. I think we should definitely talk about that later. That is widely regarded as one of the best uh, of all time. Sold 44 million. Titanic's soundtrack sold 30 million. So we're in that range. Uh, it was on uh, Billboard number one Billboard for 18 weeks. Uh, it was 11 times platinum. Uh, so now to go through the tracks. Uh, I mean, yes, there were a couple songs in this tra- in this uh, uh, soundtrack that were throwaways. You know, were kind of replaceable. Um, and uh, but 
the the iconic songs were really iconic. Uh, like uh, uh, "Hey Baby." Uh, granted, a lot of these songs have "Baby" in them because obviously no one puts "Baby" in the corner. Um, <laughs> there was, you know, uh, "Be My Baby" by the Ronettes. But the the absolute iconic songs that I think once you hear them, you think of nothing but uh, uh, this movie is, you know, Love is Strange, which uh, is the one that's like, you know, Lover Boy, oh, Lover Boy, um, which uh, is Let's actually sang Come on, by Jennifer sing Grey it in the movie. Yeah, I told you there was going to be performances, man. I can't, I can't not <laughs> perform some of these. Uh, which is actually sang by Jennifer Grey in the movie. You know, she lip syncs it, and, and so it's a, an iconic scene even in the movie. Um, you have Hungry Eyes. Right, which was a was a hit independent of the movie. It was actually on the Billboard 100 for uh, uh, hit number four. Um, and then you have you know Time of My Life, which I mean you hear that song and all you think of right is that scene, the final dancing scene. Right, um, it won an Academy Award for best original song. It won a Grammy. Uh, it was sung by Bill Medley and Jennifer uh, Warnes. Bill Medley, obviously, of the Righteous Brothers, who also did You've Lost That Love and Feeling. Another classic movie Tom song. Cruise Tom Cruise. Go back to Tom Cruise. It all goes back to Tom Cruise. <laughs> it all and goes Unchained back Melody, to Cruise. Right? Uh, originally, they wanted to do Time of My Life was originally planned for Donna Summers and Joe Esposito, who turned it down. And uh, originally, they were going to use a Lionel Sheesh, Richie song. Great career move. Right? Yeah. Originally, they are actually going to use a Lionel Richie song for the ending. Um, what? Hello? I don't, yeah, I don't know which one. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, the and of course, I, I think it, this the soundtrack has a special place in my heart because it has on it the best song by an actor ever. Yeah, and a lot of people. I'll give you credit. She's lot, like the wind. A lot of people didn't realize that was actually Patrick Swayze. She's singing. like the wind by yeah. Patrick Swayze, the best True. song by an actor ever. Uh, originally, apparently, he wrote the song for a movie that he was in, which I've never seen. Have you guys ever seen the movie Grand View USA? I have not, but okay. I'm going to now. And uh, listen, listen, I. Look I just would ass. like to submit Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield was an actor. He was a soap opera yeah. actor. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. no, no, no. What about, what about, come on, Eddie Murphy. Uh, my oh, party, God. Party all the time. <laughs> come on. Wait, wait, Bruce Willis. He was also, he had a song. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I think we just developed a podcast. Another one. John and Joan Cusack. By the way, I feel like in most movies you kind of get the tandem, right? Yeah, it's hard to get. You don't well, get. John always get, John, get John, John, John. If you get Joan, if you see Joan, John's around, probably. But you can yeah. see John without John. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Michael Winslow from you know Police Academy fame. Oh, uh, but yeah, I've never heard of this movie. And, and Spaceballs. Creeps. I definitely want to see it now. Yes, the creeps and the bleeps. The bleeps. So I definitely need to see that movie. Uh, uh, but anyways, <laughs> that is by far the best, in my opinion, best song by an actor ever. Um, and I think this is the best soundtrack, just because of obviously its popularity, and obviously when it it, it is it is you cannot replace the soundtrack and the movie. I mean, they are one thing; it's like a symbiotic relationship. Whereas your movie, Dennis, I feel like you could probably throw a bunch of oldie songs on there, and it still replace that same vibe. Symbiotic. Whereas this one, you've got time. When you see, you know, symbiotic. time of your life, symbiotic. That, you like that, that, that? Yeah. Was that on your, your word? You like that? Oh, that's right. That's right. Let's we'll drop SAT scores later on in the podcast. Jesus. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that's that is my that is my uh, offering to the to the group. Hey, hey, Dennis, I got a question for you. What's our? I would love to hear many, it. How many? What's our like the listeners? What do you think the percentage are male female? 
I'm going to say we're we're probably in the 80-20 male to female range. So more male than female. I don't think that yes. at all. Okay, well, he's trying to get the 20, at least the 20% of the females with the, you know, dirty dancing. Right, they're going dirty dancing. Now, I will say, I will say that it is, it is a great soundtrack, just from the standpoint of, like, you hear those songs and you think, there's only one place you remember hearing those songs. I, I get that point of it. Um, you know, but I, I think it's, it's uh, I don't know if those songs necessarily immerse you into the movie like like American Graffiti like this sets the time period for you the songs the songs in Dirty Dancing even though those that movie took place in the early 60s some of those songs were were kind of newer songs that would not have fit back in that era okay fair enough I'll, I'll give I'll give you that point uh, but you but then you could have probably replaced your songs with any songs from that era and it would immerse you in that time period is what I'm saying like these are we don't we don't know that do you know Ronnie James Dio had a doo-wop album back before he uh, became uh, what we know him to be, or was? Uh, actually, yes. I, so I didn't know that. He could have been in American Graffiti then. And I, I think Chicken's Done. Is that what that was? Is that, <laughs> what was that? That was Dan Fraser Done. <laughs> that was, yeah. That was, that was Paul's computer. Yeah, somebody um, texting me. Okay. All right. Nobody's so, texting you, Paul. Okay, Nobody's texting. put that on silent. That's just Paul's reminder to wow. tell people he's getting texts. We, we are definitely. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad people know that you know we we're constantly working and and uh, all that fun stuff. <laughs> all right, uh, so uh, none of us have jobs. We we really don't. To our third. Oh me? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well, third last. I'd like to think we saved the best for last, but we'll see. I'm, like I said, I'm going to try not to not to suck, but. Um, what the what I decided to go with was a little more contemporary than both of these uh, young fine gentlemen, fine young gentlemen. That's it. Yes. Uh, fine young cannibals. Fine young cannibals. No, not it. You drive me crazy. I went with uh, the single. Oh. I can do that. This is going to be it's a musical podcast, man. This is going to be we're going to end in, and we're going to end in some kind of a group song. It's so, going to happen. Was that was that in the movie Gross Anatomy? I believe that was the. Wow. Yeah, it was. Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, I went, I went with singles. Um, I'm a big fan of, of this movie, uh, probably because of the time period. But I, I, it's one of those soundtracks that stand alone, minus the movie, sold a lot. It didn't need the movie to be the soundtrack. didn't need the movie to be uh, what it was. I know a lot of people bought it because it was good music, and it's and it's... I think stood a little bit of test of time. It, it it made it solidified what the '90s were about, the Seattle scene. Um, it's based on a movie that you know uh, took place in Seattle, uh, written uh, well directed by uh, uh, Cameron Crowe, who used to write for uh, Rolling Stone magazine. Right, almost famous. Uh, almost famous is based on him, um, and. So we had an in, he had a little bit of an inside track of you know dealing with uh, some of the Seattle sound up there uh, to create a soundtrack for this movie. And lo and behold, he comes up with a an original thirteen track album comprised majority of new songs. And you might go, well, Wood from Alice in Chains, well that was on their album Dirt. 
It was, but it was not recorded for Dirt. It was actually recorded for singles, and they added it to Dirt after the fact because the original 13th song they had they didn't like, so they, you know, if you ever listen to the album, you can tell the production, it sounds different than everything else. So, you know, with, with bands like Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, you had uh, Mother Love Bone, Soundgarden, Mud Honey. Hell, they even went some old school with Jimi Hendrix. Uh, you know, all Seattle based. The only one that really wasn't Seattle based was Paul Westerberg, and even Dyslexic Heart still was a nice upbeat song. And it, 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 every time you listen to any one of those songs, you see the movie. It pulls you into to that, that entity. So, I, when you have, at the time, the bit, one of the biggest bands in the world in Pearl Jam. Take time out of their busy schedule and create a song solely for an out for a for a movie that says something. I mean, this album, but it was two million sold. Um, it was right around the time of you know late '80s, early '90s. There were a lot of soundtracks, a lot of good soundtracks. Soundtracks actually started to uh, become a little bit of a a a, a a juggernaut of themselves. I mean, you had throw a few what Batman. You had <laughs> with Prince. You know, um, I can't think of any more off the top of my head. But there were a few. R.I.P. Prince. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you had Kiss from the Ro- Kiss from a Rose from uh, Seal. But that's that was like mid nineties. I mean, R.I.P. Chris Cornell. But, uh, if we're I'm talking about it, R.I.P. What? Chris Cornell. If we're talking oh, about yeah. it. well, that Singles. helped re- that helped revitalize. They actually reissued this this past year with some bonus tracks. So um, you did have a few, you know, Chris Cornell songs, a uh, few of the fake uh, band Citizen Dick featuring, uh, you know, members of uh, Pearl Jam and uh, uh, the then lead singer of uh, Matt uh, Dillon. But um, ultimately, I, I feel like this is probably one of the best. I'm not, I'm not going to give a definitive this is the best because anybody could always say this is the best. But I'm saying this is one of the best and better than your guys' selections. Phil... What were your criteria again for yours? So my my criteria is how I selected mine. Yeah, yeah. Just give me a little. Uh, first one was. It was first one was. So the songs have to be good. Okay, so I would could would you got either of you disagree that? No, no. I think both. Nope. I think all three of ours meet that criteria. Yeah. Next. Yeah. Uh, would I listen to these songs if they weren't in the movie? I believe this would. This would. These, these thirteen would. Hands down. That would be a definite question. Yes. Question: Do yours still get radio play? Yes, they do. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I know Dennis's do just because of oldies radio, right? Uh, and definitely, my, so I guess that all three meet that criteria. Yeah, all mine three meet that criteria. Might get yep. radio play too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, how connected is the music to the movie? Is it is and how replaceable uh, is the soundtrack? Integral. The, the, the movie. The, the movie is basically. He might have well just had the the soundtrack first and then wrote the movie around it. All right, so here's the thing. This is where I'm going to stop you, Paul, because one of the first things you said when you were introducing this is you said that the music alone didn't even need the movie to be good. So you're telling me that this we could have put any movie in this and with this music around it, and it would have been – you're saying that the music would still be just as important. Yeah. There we go. Wow. Dennis, just wow, just go, just, just. I don't get your point. Sweep the leg, Dennis. Sweep the the, leg. <laughs> the point is, is that we you could just play the soundtrack and we could put on the freaking Wizard of Oz, and you'd say, "Oh, this is still a great soundtrack." Because so, so you hey, said hey, the music, the, you so said the movie wasn't was important. Soundtrack. Then, so you just said my soundtrack was a great soundtrack. 
No, the, whole, no, the music, the music is good, but no, you're saying that, that it doesn't hate that the movie didn't matter. You said well, the movie yeah, didn't matter. What's the topic? What's the topic? No, all three are Best great soundtrack. Yeah, no, well, you don't have a soundtrack without a movie. Great soundtracks. Listen, all three are great soundtracks, but we're talking about best. We're talking about like next level. Tra- it's like saying you know, you know, good basketball player. Like yeah, you know, Carl Malone was a good basketball player, but Michael Jordan, like you know, transcended. So we're saying this transcending the. The, 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 the genre, I guess. Is what I'm saying, I'm like, saying yes. that this soundtrack is so good it doesn't need the movie. And that goes and to there, one of your points. And that goes to the point of you're no, saying that, but that the movie doesn't one of matter. Points. But it still needs to be how connected is it to the movie. It's so connected to the movie. But no, because you're saying it doesn't need the movie. It doesn't need so the movie. Clearly, I'm, saying, clearly I'm saying for it to have success, this could have been an album. This could have been an album put out there with no singles movie. Now, it's needed. Yeah, which actually... In this, the, movie the, same, needs, the movie this, needs the soundtrack. The movie needs the soundtrack, but the soundtrack doesn't need the movie. No. And De- again, I think actually Dennis's movie kind of falls in the same category where Dennis's soundtrack could have been released as a standalone, like, classic hits, whatever, album and may not have needed the movie as much. Um, the movie needed... Well, well, because of the songs were already established. I get that. But but in my defense, I think the in specifically with my movie is those songs, like, they were used in lieu of any other musical, you know, background music or sound effects or anything. That was used to set the mood in every single scene without the way they picked those songs and the way they stuck them in there. I The movie would be a completely different completely different movie you would not get the same feel that same early 60s vibe if you didn't have those songs playing in the background i do say that the one thing i see in common in both of your uh movies or soundtracks is that they definitely encapsulate a moment in time yours with the the 60s and yours with like the early 90s kind of grunge alternative kind of scene um I mean, they're both still, you know, the, the wrong choice. But I do see, <laughs> I, I do see how they, you know, you could, you could, you know, fall for them. Uh, and they also, I think, uh, for you, I think, uh, Paul, uh, it's those are, yeah, that's kind of your, that's the music you like, right? That's your genre of music. That so I think it's even it gives it a more maybe makes it seem even better, you know, more to you because of the fact that that is also tends to be the, the genre that you you listen to on your own. Um, so I'd say you're maybe skewed a little bit uh, in that in that not way. Skewed. I just think I just for soundtrack. When you said you know when we came up with the topic, yeah. best soundtrack. I agree. It's a very good soundtrack. I, that, it one, is one up of there. One of them popped in my head. It wasn't the only one, but if you know, on no. merit, I'm just like going. Listen, I I can't I can't say that all like any of our three are bad soundtracks. In fact, they're all I mean, they're, they're, fantastic we're gonna, soundtracks. We're not we're not we're not coming in weak here. Yeah, this is. These are these are very good entries, in my opinion. But I mean, obviously, American Graffiti is the best of the three, because for all the reasons I've already given. Yeah. So uh, a couple of honorable mentions, since I know you guys went heavy on those. Heck yeah, I got some honorable mentions. You got some Let's honorable go. mentions. Let's, Let's see go. If they overlap. Uh, Do we have any the, the bodyguard? This week? <laughs> the bodyguard. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, now I think the bodyguard probably takes. Uh, you gotta, you gotta, I think it actually it's unfair because you have Whitney Houston at like Whitney Houston top powers, you know, writing songs right. for this movie, and I, I think right. it's it's really it's just unfair. Like it's it's really a Whitney Houston album at Whitney Houston's height of popularity, and she just right. happens to also be in a movie. 
Well, and not to mention, in that movie, you have Kevin Costner at the height of Kevin Costner. So Wait, is that the height of Kevin Costner? What, what year was that? That was in nine, what ninety two something. 90... What would you consider the height of Kevin Costner to be? When was he? When was he throwing heat? When? When? when what's? What's the I height mean, of Costner? I mean, it, we're talking in the Field of Dreams era. That was eighty nine, right? So eighty nine. Yeah. yeah. And then you had. Uh, I mean, I'm. I'm Depends on where you stand. I don't know if Costner had like a peak though. Well, wait, 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 no, 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 no. When was um uh, uh Dances with Wolves? That's probably peak Costner, right? That's right in that time frame. That's then in '93, yeah, right? So peak Costner, yeah, yeah. So that's why, yeah, I agree. It was like the convergence of a mega pop star and a mega movie star, and that mega pop star also happened to be maybe the best singer of our generation, you know. And she puts out a monster album. Yeah, so uh, yeah. that's that's one of my honorable mentions, and the other one is. Uh, but I, I took it out of the running just because, I, like I said, I think it's unfair, just because of where she was at that time. The other one is uh, Saturday Night Fever. Sure, sure. You know, with again, if you want to, if you want to go classic, iconic. I mean, you hear that song, you think Travolta walking down the streets. I mean, that's it. Sure. It's it, it. It goes hand in hand. And that and that was completely done by the Bee Gees, the whole album. Yep. So that's one band too doing a that's whole another album. One. Yeah, I guess you'd, you'd call it. They'd be a, their album. Just happens right. to be you know kind of connected to the movie. Yeah, and just so you know, Bodyguard was '92 and Dances with Wolves was '90. So that, oh, he was right so in his was peak right, right there in Costner's yeah. Wheelhouse. Yeah, pre uh, Waterworld. So Waterworld was what ninety. Like something like that. Yeah, was, I'll look it up. But yeah. And then the Postman was in there, so I don't. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I will defend the Postman. I liked it. I'll watch it every time it's oh, on. I watch it. Granted, I know I'm in for like a three-hour thing. Well, Bull Durham. Uh, anyways, uh, just randomly so, say Bull Durham. <laughs> well, Bull Durham, in my opinion, Kevin Costner's maybe his best role of all time. What was for that game? So, for love of the, I will watch that every time it's on too. Yeah. So I have an honorable mention. Uh, and it's this one was the one that I had to debate back and forth on, and I already alluded to it, and that was Days and Confused, because Days and Confused again. That that was one where it's a bunch of high school kids running around all night long, and these songs that they put just set the era. I mean, it was just all these great classic rock songs, the whole movie, uh, and it really set the tone of that movie. I thought that was a that was a great one. I mean, that that's one of those though. You could just you could listen to that soundtrack, never know where that movie came from. And because uh, it just, it just so encapsulates that time period. Um, and then, uh, anyways, um, hold on. Uh, you guys discuss. Yeah, I concur. I concur with um, uh, Days and Views, very good soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Waterworld, just to, to recap, 95. Um, budget was $175 million. And ended up grossing about eighty-eight million. So, needs to say it uh, it, it took a loss. Oh, well, I guess not, because worldwide actually being two hundred sixty-four million. Worldwide always kind of kind of kind of comes in and saves the day there on that one. So, um, all right. So uh, I think. Oh, Paul, do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, you know, I was thinking most recent. I mean, if you want to go just just overall good. I mean, Guardian of the Galaxy, both Volume One and Volume Two, had some really good. That is know, good. Good mix of. knew that he wanted to have really strong music to go along with the the story and if you li- if you've watched those it, it, you can you get a sense of it you just 
he also wanted to capture a time, right? Yes. He wanted to capture eighty. Well, uh, that, uh, yeah, I that think it was late seventies. The, no, the second one was later in. It was more late seventies, yeah. early eighties. The first one was more late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, so. yeah, but and then again, I would, I would ever, I say, I still do the same argument where it's like how there is not one song from there where like I hear the song and I think. Except for maybe the dancing group. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, if you're going to take a bunch of songs that yeah. pre-existed before and throw them on as a soundtrack, that's great, but it's not, like you said, it doesn't... It's hard to make it I- about I the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. here's one that people forget, Purple Rain. Purple Rain. But once oh, again, okay. I, I mean... The, now there, again, I, I, I mean, I, I take that out because of the same but yeah, criteria. But wrote that... Yeah. With a movie in mind, it yeah. was you know that sort of thing. So you know, there's there's a lot of good soundtracks out there. Morse Day in the Time, I um, love them. Yeah, you know, oh, we, you know stay away from the. Yeah, you know, you just want to stay away from the the overall like uh, scores and stuff like that. You know, there's yeah, no, that so that maybe that'd be a debate a little, for a whole other time, but uh, you know, but I, that, I, you know, that, I, I think that'd be I'd like to throw out there debate. you know Blues Brothers. That's a, ah, that's yeah. a really good, a good one. really good soundtrack. A, uh, a special honorable mention to uh, Dark Side of the Moon for Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to bring that up earlier when you said Wizard of Oz to, uh, to, to Paul's movie. I was like, well, then, what's, what's the what's the album there? It's then, Dark you know, Side of the Moon. You know, another one would maybe Goodfellas, and, and there's some good songs in it. And <sighs> Scorsese loves his music. Scorsese loves music, music, and uh, to to kind of twist it a bit, he uses famous songs or songs that you can relate to but when you hear it after watching the movie you can't help but think of that scene it's true so oh so I got I, I, we have to write this down new, next topic or new topic best Scorsese movie mm. Ooh, that'd, be a, that'd okay. be a good debate that'd be a good yeah. debate so the, you guys remember the movie Rockstar with Rockstar. Uh, Mark Wahlberg yeah yeah we, you and I have talked about this Steel Dragon of, several, several Steel several Dragon times. the fictitious band in there and you've got Zach Wilde on that on lead guitar in that one oh. and it's that movie, those the and soundtrack to that is guy, great. It's kind of a mix of of like original songs and then you know some like you know actual songs. And Dennis, uh, wasn't there an interesting trivia with the guy who ends up kind of doing pulling the same move on Wahlberg? Right. So he, the yeah, oh yeah, the guy in the the guy in this in the the, the fan that's yeah. at the end of the movie that gets pulled on stage. That's Miles Kennedy, uh, who Google, goes just on Google to be just lead look him singer. Up. Alter Bridge, and then, but he's also the lead singer of Slash's band when he's not with uh, Guns N' Roses. So, Miles Kennedy is uh, freaking awesome. Yeah, no, he's uh, yeah, that's uh, I can't help. I mean, that's that's one of those. I, I like the the music alone. You know, I can listen I, to it, find it that, on YouTube. That's great from start to finish. And, you know, yeah. they, and the and it's become a sports thing too a little bit. I, I've been to a Lightning game back in the day, and they would do at the beginning of the third period a little stand up and shout, get the crowd pumped up. Ooh, you know who you know who wrote that song? Uh, you're gonna tell us, Sammy Hagar. <laughs> oh, nice, the Red Rocker. Yeah, oh, wait, he, does, the best it, he part? does it once in a while. He'll he'll put it he'll put it uh, out once in a while, like on concert or something. He'll do his version of it. It's a different version. But the uh, the best work. part though is the outtake where they played uh, uh, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, <laughs> good, <laughs> where they played good they played good vibrations as he's about to perform, and he just looks at him like you guys. So. Well, because he absolutely <laughs> hates it, right? He's yeah. like he's like I am not I am Mark Wahlberg. I am not not Marky right. Mark. Although I'm assuming maybe now he's. And embraced it a bit more, perhaps. But. Yeah. Well, when he looks at his bank account, I'm sure he's just like, you know, I can probably get over the Marky Mark part of my life <laughs> now that I got hundreds yeah. of millions of I've dollars. Couple, yeah, I've got a couple millions of reasons why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that about does it for us right. here. 
Uh, we'd like to thank you for listening to our, our second podcast. Uh, we definitely hope you come back for more. Um, don't forget to vote for which one of us you think won on our uh, social media sites, uselessdebate.com. You can find us on Facebook under Useless Debate Podcast or at our Twitter at UDPC Podcast. And we're going to have polls at uh, all those various uh, spots. So uh, definitely go ahead and vote on there. Uh, Phil's, so we can... Phil's a fan of polls. Yeah, we also highly recommend you subscribe if you are a uh, podcast listener. Go ahead and subscribe and just get it every time we post a new one. You'll get it. That's right. I forgot. Since the last time we, we did this, we all grown up and we on on, on iTunes. I know. We're, we're on iTunes now. We're all grown up and we're all grown up. With a slight spelling error, so it's it's with an S at the end, uselessdebates.com. I'm sorry, useless debates is the podcast on iTunes. So just look for it that way. It's going to be changing eventually, but I don't know how long it's going to take Apple to do it. So. Yeah, once again, Dennis is still learning the alphabet. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. There's Computers 20 are hard. Uh, all right. So once again, uh, just to recap, Dennis's uh, uh, contribution was American, American Graffiti. American Graffiti. I went with uh, Dirty Dancing, and Paul's was uh, Single. Singles, yes. right? Singles yes. with an S. Yes. Okay. All okay. right, guys. So thank you again for listening to three guys debating useless information for no reason other than proving who is the bigger dork. Until next time. Adios.